Hi, this is Wayne Zell, and you're listening to Blueprint for Wealth, a blog and a podcast that's designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. It's brought to you by Odin, Feldman, and Pittleman. Visit us on the web at OFPlaw.com. Or if you'd like to know more about our firm or about tax, estate planning, and business planning topics of interest, visit my blog at www.blueprintforwealth.org. This podcast is the second part of a four-part series discussing asset protection, protecting your assets from creditors. And this segment is going to discuss when is it too late to get sufficient asset protection. Well, it sort of revolves around a long series of cases known as the common law and also that have been codified into statutes that are generally reflected under the Uniform Fraudulent Conveyance Act as to the types of uh, situations that may make it too late to get asset protection. Well, if there's a transfer after a creditor has a claim, then you may have a fraudulent conveyance. What is a transfer? Well, every method or means of parting with an asset, including putting a lien on an asset, is a transfer. Who's a creditor? It's anyone who may have a claim. And what is a fraudulent conveyance? It's the type of a transfer that allows a creditor the ability to set aside the transfer and go after the assets of whoever set aside that transfer, the debtor. This might include anyone who has any kind of contingent or disputed claim, an alleged right to payment, even though they haven't gone to court, they haven't gotten a judgment against you. If there is a claim or a disputed claim, it might be too late to go after and try to protect the assets by transferring them somewhere else. Anyone with a claim is viewed as being a potential creditor. The types of transactions that are viewed as being suspect, ones that might be set aside by a court, are really three. One involves insiders, relatives, partners, officers and directors of your company or affiliates, people who are under your common control or controlling you, if there's a transfer involving any of those people, then that may be what we call a badge of fraud. And that is going to achieve or receive greater scrutiny by a court that's looking to set aside the transfer. A second suspect transaction is one where the debtor, the person who owes the money, who may be subject to the claim, is insolvent. If you've got an insolvent debtor, that is a badge of fraud under the Uniform Fraudulent Conveyance Act. Either before the transfer is made, the debtor is already insolvent, or the transfer renders the debtor insolvent after. Either way, the debts are greater than assets that are considered non-exempt, that are not subject to the claims of creditors. A third badge of fraud, a suspect transaction that could be set aside by a court, 
is one that lacks value, meaning that, for example, you've given away an asset without receiving something of equivalent value. It doesn't have to match to the penny, but it's got to be reasonably equivalent value. And if it lacks that reasonably equivalent value, then you may have a suspect transaction that could be set aside. So there are three steps that I typically look at to determine whether or not we've got a fraudulent conveyance and what happens. First, determine if a fraudulent conveyance has occurred. There are four uh, subtests, if you will, to determine if a fraudulent conveyance has occurred. Number one, the subsequent creditor test. Before the claim arose, the debtor entered into a transaction that left him insolvent and was not for reasonably equivalent value. That's the subsequent creditor test. And what it's teaching you is that you should keep some assets always to meet your potential claims in the future. Because if you've divested yourself of all assets, putting them into some type of entity like a limited liability company, and retaining nothing in your name, then you may have already committed a fraudulent conveyance. The second test is known as the existing creditor test. And that says, after the claim arises, the debtor is left insolvent and transferred assets to an insider who knew or should have known that those assets were going to be used to satisfy this prior debt or prior claim. Even if the debtor did not know about the claim, this could result in a fraudulent conveyance. That's known as the existing creditor test. The next test is the one that is done for no consideration or value, the no consideration or value test. There, the debtor, the person who, has, who, who is subject to the claim, entered into a transaction without receiving reasonably equivalent value in return and already had unreasonably small assets or a small amount of assets to pay his or her debts. They all sound very similar, but in this particular case, under the no consideration or value test, it doesn't matter if the claim arises before or after the transfer because you left yourself destitute. And number four, which is a really broad-based test, is the circumstantial evidence test. I call it the very gray smell test. In other words, did you have an actual intent to circumvent the claims of a creditor? And it's based on the facts and circumstances. The second part in the fraudulent conveyance analysis is, did the person who received the asset, the transferee, have a good faith defense to keep the courts away from the asset and keep the creditor away from the asset. So, in that case, did the transferee give something of reasonably equivalent value? And also, were there a number of other transferees in between in the chain of title of the asset to make it less likely that a creditor or a court is going to be able to get the asset back into the debtor's estate to satisfy the claim? And lastly, what is the appropriate remedy that is available if there is a fraudulent conveyance? Well, one is for the court 
to go after the debtor and get the adjusted value of the asset that was transferred away. Well, it may be hard if the debtor has no assets, so they may have to go after the asset itself. And that is, the second remedy is attaching the actual asset, going after the asset itself. A third remedy, a very common one, is getting an injunction saying that you cannot, debtor or transferee, further transfer this asset until the claim has been paid. A fourth remedy is to actually appoint a receiver who is in charge of managing the asset so that it cannot be further depleted or transferred away. And there are other remedies available at law. So we've been talking about when it's too late under the Uniform Fraudulent Conveyance Act to prevent a creditor from getting at the asset that the debtor transferred away that otherwise would be available to satisfy a claim. In other words, how do you determine if there's been a fraudulent conveyance? And we know that it doesn't take a court judgment to determine that a creditor has a right to go after the debtor's assets. We're talking about protecting your assets from creditors. And this is part two of a four-part series on protecting your assets from creditors. Join me in the next part where we're going to be talking about how insurance can protect you and the types of exemptions that are available under the law that might actually exempt certain of your assets from the claims of creditors and thereby provide you with protection. I'm Wayne Zell. You're listening to Blueprint for Wealth, a podcast designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom.